According to data by the FBI, nearly 40% of missing people are people of color, despite people of color only making up about 13% of the population. But the Columbia Journalism Review created a tool that calculates the number of stories your disappearance would net based on demographics and found that missing black people only account for 13% of news stories, while missing white people were featured in 70% of news stories. So before we get into today's story, I want to share with you the story of Skylar Sparrow. Skylar Sparrow went missing on June 16th of 2023 from Baltimore, Maryland. Skylar Sparrow went missing from the Western District of Baltimore City, and she was last seen wearing a gray Aeropostle t-shirt, blue shorts, and tan Crocs. Skylar Sparrow is 13 years old. She is black with black hair and brown eyes. She is five foot three and about 127 pounds. Her picture is on our Instagram at mama.mysterypodcast so that you can see what she looks like, but also share her information to get the word out. If you have information on Skylar's whereabouts, you can call 410-887-3943. Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly, and today is going to be a solo episode. So if you are looking forward to hearing Austin's antics, Super sorry. Instead, you get me with all of my nasal congestion and vocal fry. Lucky you. Now, before we get started with today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about the case of Charlotte Cena from upstate New York. Some of you might have heard about this story, but it's been prevalent in the media. So I just want to touch on it real quick. Charlotte Cena is a nine-year-old little girl who went missing during a camping trip last weekend with her family. Charlotte was last seen around 6.15 p.m. on Saturday, September 30th in Morrow Lake State Park, a popular camping site about 45 miles north of Albany. She had been riding her bike with her friends around one of the park loops and wanted to do one more loop by herself. Charlotte's mother reported her missing around 6.45 p.m. when her daughter's bike was found abandoned in the loop and Charlotte was nowhere to be found. According to CNN, the FBI got involved and offered a full package of resources to support the investigation into Charlotte's disappearance. The Bureau has a child abduction rapid deployment team, a rapid response entity made of investigators who specialize in assisting local law enforcement, understanding that the first 48 hours in a child abduction case are the most critical. At around 4.20 a.m. on Monday, less than 36 hours after she was reported missing, the suspect drove by the Cena's family home and placed a ransom note in their mailbox. Charlotte's parents were still at the campsite searching for their daughter, but police who were monitoring the home discovered the note and they were able to recover a fingerprint from that document and then began running the fingerprint through law enforcement databases to see if they could find a match. Well, a hit came at 2.30 p.m. linking the fingerprint to Craig Nelson Ross Jr. Craig Ross's fingerprint had been entered into the database for a 1999 incident of driving while intoxicated. That hit led investigators to a camper behind his mother's double-wide mobile home in Ballston Spa, New York. In addition to the fingerprints, investigators also analyzed cell phone pings around the park at the time of Charlotte's disappearance. Additional insight came from park records, which contain information about visitors who paid an entrance fee or registered to camp overnight. 
The property where Charlotte was found is registered to the suspect's mother and is located about 17 miles away from where she was last seen. So SWAT teams descended upon the residence in helicopters and on the ground. They made entry into his trailer and arrested Craig Ross around 6.30 p.m. Um, and Charlotte was immediately found hiding in a cabinet within his home. Now, I've heard two different reports. I've heard some reports say that she was found in a cabinet in the kitchen. And then I've heard some reports say that she was hiding in a bedroom closet. Regardless, she was found, she was alive, and she seemed unharmed just from the exterior. Um, she was taken to a hospital where she was checked out and reunited with her family at the hospital. Since they were reunited, she's just been given time to kind of get reacclimated with her family. Um, but they do plan on investigating this case further to see if there are any additional charges that need to be pressed against Craig Ross. As of right now, he's been charged with kidnapping, but it is expected that more charges will be added to that. He's expected in court today, so I will continue to update as updates come out. Now, I will be honest, when I first heard about this story, I did not have high hopes that she was going to be found alive. We've just seen too many stories like this where they end horribly. And so when I learned that she was found alive, I mean, I got chills all over my body. I'm so thankful she's alive. I I hate to think what she went through during those 36 hours, but... I just think that this whole story is a testament to police work and how quickly they were able to spring into action to find her safe. Had it been another 12 hours even, I don't know that we would have had this outcome. Those four, first 48 hours you always hear are so crucial. And beyond those 48 hours, you know, doesn't typically yield a positive result. So I'm just grateful that she was found alive. Man, I wish more stories could end like this, truly. Now, the story we're going to talk about today is a very recent case, and so I do expect there to be developments ongoing, and I will continue to update you all as those updates come out. But today, we're going to be talking about Pava Marie LaPere. Pava was born on January 21st of 1997 in Tucson, Arizona, to parents Frank and Caroline. She has a brother named Nico, and growing up, Pava's dad said that she was a stubborn and sly girl who would sneak out to ride her bike in Tucson, and then she would sneak back in before her parents woke up. She took piano lessons, and she had an unrelenting work ethic. She was often described as a workhorse from a very, very young age, and we'll see that play out throughout her life. She was tenacious and determined. She set goals and always achieved them above and beyond anyone's expectations. Pava attended Catalina Foothills High School just north of Tucson, and the assistant principal, Chris Lambert, said that he remembered Pava as a hardworking and thoughtful student while she was in his AP history class during her sophomore year. After graduating from high school, Pava was accepted to Johns Hopkins University, a private research university in Baltimore, Maryland, ranked seventh best in the nation overall, but with multiple schools within the university ranking number one in the U.S. for their specialization. Their School of Nursing, School of Public Health, and School of Engineering are all ranked number one in the U.S., with their pre-med program ranking second only behind Harvard. So they have a solid reputation and are a very selective school, which just illustrates how intelligent and driven Pava was to be admitted to that university. Initially, she studied computer science before she switched her major to sociology. Originally, she wanted to become a doctor, and that was a longtime dream of hers before she came to the realization, albeit a little late, that she didn't like dealing with blood. 
So she realized her calling, which was to use entrepreneurship to solve inequalities in society. While she was studying at Johns Hopkins, she started TCO Labs, which is a nonprofit that fosters students interested in entrepreneurship. Within TCO Labs, she created a program called The Hatchery, which works with about 15 undergraduate students at a time to incorporate real-life experiences into fundamentals of entrepreneurship. And in addition to all of that, she also founded Ecomap, which is a resource for entrepreneurs after graduation to tap into resources within Baltimore beyond school. And if you thought it was done listing the accolades of Pava LaPere, you would be wrong because Pava is also a co-founder and organizer of Innovate MD, which is an annual conference showcasing student entrepreneurs from across Maryland's universities. She was also recognized by Forbes 30 under 30 list for her social impact in 2023. Standing only five foot two, Pava was a force to be reckoned with. Her father said, quote, she's always, always been a leader, always been driven and creative, always intended to be a high achiever. You could just tell that she knew what she wanted to accomplish and there was nothing that would get in her way of accomplishing that. Despite the disturbing statistics regarding violent crime in Baltimore, Pava chose to plant her roots in Baltimore after graduation rather than return to Tucson. Now, for the record, Baltimore is one of the most dangerous cities in America with a violent crime rate of 6,170 per 100,000 people, and the chance of becoming a victim of a violent crime is 1 in 17. But Pava saw so much potential in Baltimore that she completely devoted herself and her future to her community. In a 2018 interview with Johns Hopkins University, Pava's pride in her work was evident, saying, quote, if you love the problem you are solving, none of it feels like work. I know it's cliche, but it's the truth. If you love the problem, you can throw your heart and energy into your venture without a second thought. And that's what makes the ordeal of entrepreneurship worth it, end quote. Just a couple weeks ago, as of this recording, on Friday, September 22nd, Pava was seen on the street approaching the building where she lived and worked. She was on her way home from a festival in Baltimore celebrating the art community. On that same surveillance video, a man could be seen following her at a distance. This man was identified as 32-year-old Jason Billingsley, and it doesn't appear that Pava was aware that he was following her. Pava made her way into the building and shortly after noticed Jason trying to get into the building. Jason was outside waving as if he forgot his keys into the building. Pava went to the door and let him in, and as he came in, they appeared to have a short conversation. Pava and Jason walked towards the elevators and entered into the same elevator. Then, about 40 minutes later, Jason was recorded on surveillance, leaving the building in a hurry and wiping his hands on his shorts. Since it was Friday evening when this occurred, the weekend went by before anyone realized that Pava was missing. So she wasn't reported as a missing person until Monday, presumably when she didn't show up for work. When authorities arrived at the building, they found her almost immediately on the rooftop. Now this next part is a bit upsetting, so feel free to skip ahead about 15 seconds. Pava was found near a brick, three teeth, and a pair of red shoes believed to be Pava's. She was partially clothed and had obvious blunt force trauma to her head. The medical examiner also determined she had been strangled. In 2015, Jason Billingsley pleaded guilty to a sexual offense and was sentenced to 30 years in prison. 
but he was released in October of 2022 because of good behavior. He was listed and registered as a sex offender. Only a few days prior to Pava's murder, on September 19th, Baltimore police reported that an incident left two adults and a child critically injured and was the act of an alleged arson. Authorities reported that fire crews responded to the scene shortly before 9.30 a.m. that day as thick smoke poured out from the basement windows. A 26-year-old man and a 26-year-old woman sustained burn injuries and multiple other wounds that landed both of them in the ICU. Officials also stated that a five-year-old was discovered with symptoms of smoke inhalation and that child was admitted to the hospital as well, but all three survived the attack. Other residents in the same building were terrified and wanted to move out immediately because they all believed that this was a targeted attack on the young woman with the man and child being collateral damage. In this particular case, Jason allegedly identified himself as a maintenance man for the building in order to get into the apartment building. Then, while he was wearing a mask, he kicked in the front door of these people's apartment and pointed a gun at the woman. He raped the woman several times throughout the night before he tied her up with duct tape, handcuffed the boyfriend, slit their throats, and lit the woman on fire. Authorities found a backpack in the alley behind the apartment building, which included a serrated knife, rolls of duct tape, handcuffs, bleach, a gas can, a lighter, and clothing. Surveillance videos from earlier that day showed Jason Billingsley wearing the clothes that were found in that backpack. For this incident, he's been charged with several counts of attempted murder, along with sexual offense charges. After authorities found Pava and Jason realized that police were onto him, he turned off his cell phone because he realized that police were using it to monitor his whereabouts. He began to see flyers up around the city and knew they were onto him. They were still able to find him, however, two days after Pava was found on the rooftop. He was arrested in Bowie, Maryland, about 25 miles southwest of downtown Baltimore. But his mommy quickly came to his defense. Scarlett Billingsley, Jason's mom, said, quote, he wasn't trying to run away. He supposedly was going to meet his sister because she was supposed to give him some money because he was broke. I'm very glad he is locked up because I was so scared the police would have shot him first without asking questions because they assume he had a gun. And I know he didn't have it because he tried to sell it where I live at. She continued, I am just as shocked as anybody. I don't see that in him. I can't imagine him doing that. When he called me when he got locked up, he didn't want to talk about it. End quote. Scarlett did admit that Jason has had anger problems in the past, but that, quote, when he sits there and thinks about that, I think he will apologize, too, because I really don't think he meant to do that. It was just his rage. And whatever caused that rage, we have to find out, end quote. Jason told his mom not to come to the court proceedings, probably because he doesn't want her to hear the details of just how vile he is. And Scarlett said she hasn't decided if she will attend or not, but that regardless, she will always support her son. Now, I know I'm going to sound really judgmental when I say this, and this is just a personal anecdote that nobody asked for, but I am the mother of a son. And if I found out that my son did the things that Jason Billingsley did, I would completely disown that person. I wouldn't claim him as my son. I would want nothing to do with him. To know that he has imposed so much harm on women and children 
would be disgusting. I would be horrified and embarrassed and I would not be standing there saying, oh, you know, he didn't mean to, or, you know, I'll always support him. No, F that you're done. You're dead to me. I am so humiliated and ashamed. (laughs) Anyway, on to the story. So Baltimore's city's state attorney has already announced that he would be seeking life in prison with no chance for parole if Jason is found guilty. Many residents and friends and family of Pava's were upset to learn that Jason Billingsley attacked a man, woman, and child just days before he attacked Pava, but that the news of that was not publicized. Had it been publicized, maybe the public could have been warned about a dangerous man on the loose. But the police department has defended their decision not to publicize that story because they believed that first attack was targeted. However, they won't detail why they believe that because they didn't want to, quote, talk badly about the victims. The Baltimore City Police Commissioner Richard Worley said, quote, we know pretty much why he went into the house on Edmondson Avenue, why he committed those acts. He worked at that building. He was familiar with those victims. I'm not going to say too much more because I don't want to talk bad about victims, but he was there for a reason, end quote. And I'm not going to speculate as to what that reason was, but I, I very strongly feel like there was probably no reason good enough to attack a man, woman, and child. So to me, that warrants an entitlement for the public to know that something like that happened and to be on the lookout, be aware that this happened and they still don't have the guy. Now, in Pava's case, they believe this was a random act and he had no ties to Pava. So that was why they didn't feel the need, apparently, to publicize the first attack. There's also the issue of releasing a dangerous, violent criminal early and the threat that that poses to the community. As I mentioned earlier, Jason Billingsley has a record. He pleaded guilty to first-degree assault in 2009 and second-degree assault in 2011 In 2015, he was convicted of a first-degree sexual offense and was initially sentenced to 30 years in prison, but only served seven. He never should have been released, let alone released early. Even the top prosecutor for Baltimore, Ivan Bates, reviewed his case file and admitted that the outcome surrounding his release appeared to be a little bit below guidelines. He says, quote, it was a different administration. That prosecutor is no longer there. But with every single case, there are different issues that you have to look at. Are the witnesses or the victims cooperative? What's the evidence? Things like that. So I'm not going to go back and say hindsight is 2020, end quote. Okay, I feel like that's a bit of a cop out to say, you know, I'm not going to go back and say hindsight is 2020 because I just don't know enough. I think the facts are the facts. He's been convicted multiple times of violent crimes. So hindsight at best here is like 2400 because you guys weren't even looking back to that whatsoever. Nobody was. Nobody was considering his past and how that might predict what he's going to do when he gets out of prison. At Pava's candlelight vigil, EcoMap's COO, Sherrod Davis, said, quote, the world is looking at us and saying, nope, this is what happens in Baltimore. But I'm telling you, she saw things that no one else saw. And she saw something in Baltimore. And as the seeds of division are sown, we stand more united than ever as a city, as a community, and as a team, as an ecosystem, because we know Pava has got our back. And when Pava's got your back, boy, do I like your chances, end quote. In a statement to the Associated Press, Pava's family said, quote, we're relieved to know he can no longer hurt other innocent victims. 
While this doesn't change that Baltimore lost one of its most passionate, influential fans, our efforts remain focused on remembering and celebrating Pava Marie, her life, successes, and legacy, end quote. Pava's father, Frank, thanked everyone who showed up to her candlelight vigil for supporting his daughter's dreams. He said, quote, we're going to take her away from Baltimore, but her presence will never leave here. Thank you very, very much for loving our girl. Now, I've covered a lot of cases. I think we're about 150 episodes in now, and it never gets easy to talk about innocent people who have lost their lives to somebody evil, right? Um, but there's something that just stings even more when the person who was taken from this earth had so much to offer and was working so hard to better other people's lives, to improve her community and to help other people to improve that community. I think that this girl was destined for something amazing and to, to know that her light was just stolen from a vile human piece of garbage just really, really sucks. Um, I don't know what there is to learn from this. I think that the only thing we can maybe take away is that there needs to be some sort of reform on letting violent criminals out of prison early despite good behavior behind bars. I don't think that the way a prisoner acts behind bars is indicative of how they'll act in the free world. And here's a perfect example of that. So I don't know what will happen. I'd love to see some some change. Um, I guess we'll wait and see. As this as this case continues and as he goes to trial or, you know, pleads guilty or not guilty, I will keep you all updated as to what happens next. I really hope he's put away for life. That is where he deserves to be. Mama, mystery, out. Bye.